0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you and welcome to the show A red-haired, rubber-faced comedian who was one of MGM's top stars in the 40s, Red Skelton excelled in zany bubble headed characterizations. He was born Richard Bennett Skelton in nineteen ten in Indiana. He was singing for Money in the Street at the age of seven. His father, a circus clown, died when he was two months old, and his mother worked as a charlady. The poverty stricken family lived in an attic and Skelton left school at the age of ten and joined a medicine show, spending the rest of his youth entertaining wherever he could find an audience. Showboats, Minstrel shows, circuses, burlesque theaters—it was a long apprenticeship. But eventually, on the strength of a donut dunking routine he developed, he was given a spot in the Paramount Theater, New York, in 1937, which led to his radio debut on the Rudy Valley Show. Listeners loved his act. He went on to television and the movies, and, and the latter day part, or latter part of his uh, career. Though wealthy, he continued to make occasional nightclub and television appearances and had a lucrative sideline as a painter of clowns. Skelton once said, I don't want to be called the greatest. I just want to be known as a clown because to me, that's the height of my profession. It means you can do everything, sing, dance, and above all, make people laugh. In 1990, aged 80, he gave a farewell performance at Carnegie Hall, billing described as simply one of America's clowns. Red Skelton.
2: Skelton's back and Friday got him. <laughs> From
3: Hollywood Procter & Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, and his orchestra, our singing stars, the Four Knights, Verna Felton, Lorraine Tuttle, Pat McGee, and, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. <laughs> yes, it's the Red Skelton Show, brought to you by Tide, Procter & Gamble's amazing new discovery for your whole family watch. And now, from Metro Golden Air, the star of our show, Red Scalp.
4: Thank you very much, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Rod, how was your trip to Texas with Art Linkletter last Tuesday?
3: was wonderful. Say, so you look happy tonight. Yeah,
4: I am. I invested $500 and got me a new used car.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now, what can you get for $500? A Rookin'.
5: <laughs> okay,
4: I
2: drove the thing up the alley to park it in the garage, and one ash can nudged the other and says, look, there's one with wheels. <laughs> Well, to... I've got to see it. Well, it's stacked up outside here. <laughs> the things so old when I got licensed, I had to get upper and lower plates. <laughs> You can lay down in the back, you know. Is it a convertible? Huh? Is it a convertible? Oh, yeah, I can always get my money back. I mean, does the
4: top go up and down? All the time. time. (laughs) I like it because it's so affectionate, you know. Affectionate? Yeah, you see, there's no brakes on it. When you come to a stop street, you should see how it snuggles up to the other car. (laughs)
2: So, uh, how's the pickup? Well, uh, it's much better than walking, but you could get there much quicker if you did. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry I said that, brother. (laughs) Please laugh quicker, the lights are fading my (laughs) suit. No kidding, the car is so bad that you gotta throw it in second to get over a pedestrian.
5: Uh, I want to think of something.
2: How is it on mileage? Well, it's not too good, but I don't worry about the gas. I've got a skeleton credit card. Oh, you mean a siphon hose and a five-gallon Read can? Read
4: your own lines. <laughs> no, not a siphon can. hose and a can. i got a, a shovel and a bucket. <laughs> it burns coal, you know. <laughs> well,
2: what kind of a car is it? I think it's a Lincoln, the beard showing through the upholstery. LAUGHTER
3: I still can't figure out why you'd let anyone sell you a car like that.
4: Well, uh, what do you mean? It's a good car. Only one thing I'm worried about. I can't get tires for a 19.8 car, you know. Were the tire's bad, too? Well, yeah. I'm practically flat on my rims. (laughs) Well, what are you going to do about tires? Well, I tried tying tennis shoes on the back wheels. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't it work? Yeah, but when I drive home late at night, it gives me the feeling somebody's following me. (laughs) Tide gets clothes
2: cleaner than any soap. Any soap? Yes,
4: any soap. Hold your guitar there, gal.
2: You aiming to give the impression that Tide
4: gets clothes cleaner than than
2: just soap?
3: Dead eye, if you hadn't interrupted the gal, she'd have told you Procter & Gamble's Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap, any other suds, any other washing product known. Well,
2: let me say oh, will you?
3: (laughs) (laughs) From your fussiest company linens down to your dustiest, dirtiest work clothes, Tide gets your whole family wash cleaner. Because Tide not only leaves clothes free from dirt, it removes dingy soap film, too. Yet with all this miracle cleaning power, Tide is safe, truly safe for all your washable colors. In fact, Tide actually brightens soap dull colors, perks them up amazingly. And when it comes to white things, shirts, pillowcases, table linens, in hardest water, Tide gets them whiter than any other washing product known. Tide gets them whiter keeps them whiter week after week, never turns them yellow. As did I would say, the woods is full of washing products, but tide and only tide gives you this terrific combination. the cleanest, brightest, whitest wash you ever hung on the line.
4: Now ladies and gentlemen, here is radio's newest sensation from the claim from the critics that is. Uh, they're going to sing uh, the Darktown Strutters' Ball
1: the four nights. I'll be down to get you in a taxi, honey. You better be ready by half past eight. Come on, baby, now don't be late. I wanna be there when the band starts swinging. Just remember when we get there, honey, two steps we're gonna have them all dancing both my shoes when they play the Jelly Roll Blues. That's tomorrow night at the Darktown Strutters' Ball. <laughs>
5: Don't do not
4: Baby, don't be late, I wanna beat that swinger when the band starts jumping. Just remember when we get there, honey, two steps, we gonna have them
1: all I dance out both of my shoes. The band play the general blues tomorrow night at the Dark Town Stutter. We have to get you in a our honey wine. Taxi cab costs too much money yes. Oh, baby, don't be late I want to be there swinging when the band starts jumping mm-hmm. Just remember when we get there, honey Two steps, we're mm-hmm. going to have mm-hmm. them all Dance out both my shoes mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. they play mm-hmm. The jell o mm-hmm. Oh, tomorrow night Tomorrow night Yes, tomorrow night Tomorrow night Oh, tomorrow night at, at the Dark Town Bar
4: Ladies and gentlemen The story of a man Who hates speeches At a banquet Hey
5: taxi Taxi
4: <laughs> hey, Willie Tell me Is the banquet over what? Is the banquet over It is for me <laughs> They found me drinking out of the wrong punch bowl. I didn't know there was anything wrong until I saw the goldfish
2: high and dry. (laughs) Hey, drive me
4: home, will you, Cabby? You go right. Sure. Uh, Why are you leaving so early, Willie? Well, I don't like those long, drawn-out speeches, you know.
6: Yeah, I sympathize with you. Yeah. Some
4: of those guys are windy, old birds, all right. Uh, you ain't kidding. Did you know that I went to a banquet once?
5: (laughs) And the guy got up and made his speech why
4: Hoover should be re-elected, and before he finished, Roosevelt was in for the third term. Tell me, Willie, what
3: happened
4: tonight? Well, at first I got in a little trouble with the chair lady, you know, the woman chairman there, you know. She couldn't quiet the crowd down. And I tried to... (laughs) can <laughs> like, you see this old dame wants to make a <laughs> speech? Now, will the guy please hand over her teeth, the one
2: that got them? In
7: Maybe the microphone isn't on. Oh, here, let
2: me test it. Here, testing, testing. Oh. One, two,
5: three, four, five, six, seven,
4: eight, nine, ten, Jack, Queen, King.
5: <laughs> hello, hello. It's on.
4: I don't know that bunch of rude people. I'll quiet them down. Hand me that bottle of champagne there. <laughs> that did it. <laughs> I want to make a little speech myself. Gentlemen and ladies. Oh, please, Mr. I...
7: Lump Lump. Address the meeting correctly. It's ladies and
5: gentlemen.
7: Oh, yeah? Certainly. Ladies are always before gentlemen.
4: On what bus? <laughs>
7: Mr. please sit down. You're a disgrace to this gathering. Well,
4: so what? I got something important to say. Something real important. Well, what is it? Hmm? What is it? Oh, wouldn't you like know?
7: Well, do you have an announcement or not?
4: Yeah, I got it written down here on this tablecloth. I'll just have to Oh, no. So-
7: Don't pull that tablecloth. You'll smash all those dishes.
4: Oh, no, I won't. Oh, yes, you will. Oh, no, I won't.
7: Oh, yes, you will.
4: I hate to admit it, but you're right. Give <laughs> me that microphone. Oh, don't strain at your choker, will you? All right, you characters, I have an announcement to make. Due to the fact that Monday
2: comes on Tuesday this Wednesday, our regular Thursday meeting will be held on Friday this Saturday because Sunday's the holiday and I can't.
5: <laughs>
6: In the political speech?
4: Yeah, there was one big bloke, and that's when we broke it up. He wasn't very well liked. Senator,
7: Senator, do you remember me?
4: Oh, let
2: me see. Let me see. Uh, Could you give me a little hint? Could you give me a hint?
7: I was your first wife. Oh, how
2: stupid of me. How stupid of me. Yeah. How are you, my dear? How's your mother? How's your mother? My mother. You know about my mother? Oh, of course. She's still living with me. When you sued for separate maintenance, you got the house, I got the custody of your mother, remember? How come you got
7: into politics?
2: Well, it happened during the Depression. It was either go to work or into politics. You know me, I take the hard way.
7: <laughs> you know I'm wearing your campaign
2: button. Well, lift your head. Your chin's covering it a little there. Are you insinuating that I
7: have a double chin? Oh, no,
2: my dear. I, you'd only have one chin. It just unfolded on you, Zon. Well,
7: <laughs> oh, before you start your speech, can I get you anything?
2: Yeah, I'll put some uh, water on the table will you. You mean to drink? No, I'm going to stop every 15 minutes and rinse out a few things. <laughs> announce me. i got to catch a train. i, I got to get back to oh, Washington. Oh,
7: You must be an important man these days. Well, the
2: investigating committee thinks so. Are you on it? Oh, no, they're on me.
7: And ladies and gentlemen, yeah. I now give you a man you have all been waiting to meet.
2: Yeah, up a dark alley somewhere.
7: <laughs> a man you have heard a lot about. Yeah,
2: but tell him it's all lies. I'll explain everything in the investigation.
7: I give you Senator Blowhard.
2: Well, won't somebody join me? (laughs) My friends, before I make my speech, I'd like to say a few words. If I'm elected, I want you to know I'll be one of the best politicians that money can buy. (laughs) I intend to conduct my campaign a little different. I don't intend to stand here and throw mud at my opponents. He's a fine man, a mighty fine man. Only thing I can't understand is why he runs around with other women and neglects his children so.
5: <laughs>
2: I got something to say, folks, and I'm gonna say it too, just as soon as I find it here.
5: <laughs> I got it, Here it comes. I'm delighted
2: to be here in your beautiful city. Where visitors are greeted with outstretched arms Ah,
3: drop dead, you bum A
2: city that welcomes strangers Get out of town, push. You're curdling
3: the cream of our society <laughs>
2: Tourist
5: <laughs> Hurry up and
2: finish so we can fumigate All I...
5: <laughs>
2: All I ask you to do is to use your right to vote And if you vote for me, I hope you use it four or five times if you care
3: <laughs> Before we start paying our exterminator overtime (laughs) You taxpayers
2: (laughs) I'm here to tell you about our party's platform In fact, I may be here for a few weeks (laughs) But I doubt it I'm for labor, I'm for capital I'm for the middle classes And above all, I'm for Mother's Day (laughs) Yes, sir, you put me in office And I'll put a mother in every garage (laughs) Parodies will be everybody's. Not only will one night be Saturday night, but every night Saturday night. That's without baths. <laughs> Not only will a few with money be able to paint the town red, but all of us paint the town red.
3: I got news for you, Doc. The few things that are painting the town red now ain't got a chance because too many of us like the white and blue paint that goes with it. Here. Hey, you big ham. Here's something to go with you.
2: Ooh. Who threw that egg? Please,
7: I think you'd better sit down, Mr. Blowhard. They're throwing things. No,
2: sir, I've got freedom of speech over here. Joe said I was to use it, too. (laughs) Yes, sir, and I'll use it by all the power that's infected it, injected in me. (laughs) Here, take that. Here, here, stop that. Please, friends, if you're going to throw eggs, take them out of the chickens first. (laughs) And now David Rose and his Procter & Gamble orchestra will play Sunrise Serenade.
3: Dave Rose.
8: A page from the mean little kid's diary.
4: Have you ever tried to keep a secret from a youngster? Well, it's almost impossible. And sometimes it can be embarrassing, too, especially if it's Junior, the mean widow kid. Lorraine,
5: dear,
9: you'd better hurry or you'll be late to work. Oh, I dread going to work today, Mother. It's the beginning of the store's big fall sale. Oh, where's Junior? Junior! Yes, Junior? Come kiss Mother goodbye. I'm going to work now. Okay, okay.
4: Okay, buckle up,
9: buckle up. Oh, goodness, you smeared my lips.
4: Well, look, you smeared me chocolate frosting. Uh
9: Oh, (laughs) Oh, look at my face. Boy, you've got chocolate from ear to ear. (laughs) Mother, why do you let him lick your frosting bowl so early in the morning? I didn't let him lick
4: the bowl. In fact, my frosting isn't done yet. Oh, I got a newsflash, kiddo. It's done and gone.
7: We'll discuss that later, Junior. Oh, oh, now, now, you look all right, dear. Hurry or you'll miss the bus. Oh, you'll miss the bus. Goodbye, dear. Bye, Junior dear. Junior and I
9: will probably see you this afternoon. Yes. Oh, no, Mother, please. You must not bring Junior to my department. But why? Now why? It's a new rule at the store. No salesperson who has a youngster is permitted to work there. No kidding. It's a part of their new juvenile delinquency program.
4: There you
5: go,
9: And if Mr. Fishplace, the manager, finds out that I have a
4: C-H-I-L-D... It's curtains. C H I O D, huh? So that's how you spell brat, huh? Oh,
5: there's my boss. Goodbye! Goodbye, goodbye! goodbye. Watch out for me, roller skate!
4: Get up! Get up! What well, look at her sitting there talking to a roller skate. Get
7: up! Run, you'll miss the bus. Run. Hurry, I run you'll miss the bus. Hurry, hey. hurry, The big. Did she make it? Her head did. <laughs>
4: Was running along the side of the bus there. What? Oh, Junior, why do you frighten me? She got on the bus. I know. i just like to see your eyeballs pop out,
5: John. Oh,
4: boy, how mothers brood over their widow well, come you know. Let's get cleaned up, Junior, and I'll take you shopping with me. Oh? You going to take some money with you, or are you going to wear the coat with the loose sleeves again?
5: <laughs> Junior.
7: Don't talk about me as if I were a shoplifter. Now let's get to the store before the best things are all picked over. Okay, yeah. Junior? Junior, Junior, where are you? Oh, if you don't watch him every second, he disappears.
5: Uh,
3: Can I Ju- help you, madam? I'm the store detective.
7: Oh yes, please. I've lost my little grandson.
3: He couldn't, by any chance, be in one of your loose sleeves?
5: No. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
3: don't worry, madam. I'll find him. I'll have him back with you inside of ten minutes.
5: Couldn't you
7: make it twenty?
5: <laughs>
7: I'll go with you.
3: Oh, good. Now, where should we start looking for him?
7: Well, let's go down this aisle here, where all the people are rubbing their shins. He'll be around there someday.
3: Now, wait. The elevator's just coming down. I'll ride up to the lost and found department and see if they know anything about all it. All
4: right. <laughs> Too so much
3: fun with a hatpin in all me life. That must be him. Uh, come with me,
4: son. Yeah, not so fast, fat boy. Not so fast, boy. My mummy told me never to go with strangers who offered me candy. Not offering you any candy. You will when I put the pressure on you. I've got him,
3: lady. Uh, little boy, don't you know it's dangerous to carry a
4: hatpin around like that? <laughs> No, but nobody crowded me when I was on the elevator, boy. Junior. Hey, Junior. Nemo, you found me just in time. This big blimp was trying to kid-snap me. <laughs> oh, He's the star detective. Oh, a well, detective. Well, in that case, I'll just kick him in the shit. Oh, now, what did you do that for? Suppose I was the four-walker. What would you have done? The same thing. I got a one-track mind. Do
10: that. Do the You good Stop that.
7: You couldn't stop What have I told you about kicking people with your new shoes on? (laughs) Thank you, officer, for helping me. Yes. It's quite all right. Quite all
3: right. Well, goodbye, little boy. Hello. Let me know when you rob your first bank. Yes.
7: (laughs) Junior. Hmm? Did you have to kick that nice man in the shins? Yes. Why?
4: That short legs couldn't reach any higher.
5: (laughs) Well,
7: from now
4: on, you stay with me. Okay, I stay with you. They're having a sale on slacks. Well, wait for me. Wait. Now, where did she go through the people? I can't see. What does she want with slacks? Anyhow, they won't look good on her. She ain't fat enough to wear
5: them.
4: <laughs> now, what can I do with me widow self here all alone? Oh, well, look. There's the notion counter. I'll just go over. Maybe I'll get a notion.
5: <laughs> I told you
4: do the notion. Well, look who is behind the counter. Me mummy. I better pretend I don't know her or she'll lose her job. <laughs> Oh, lady? Yes, little boy. <gasps> Junior! Get yes, me! Oh. <laughs> please, please,
5: don't
4: get so familiar with your customers, please. Now, I told
9: your grandmother not to bring you here.
4: Why, don't you love me anymore, mummy? Of course I love you, Junior. No, you don't. You don't want me around because you don't love me anymore. Yes,
9: I do, darling.
4: No, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs>
9: but, but you see, this store has a rule. No rules. And if I want to keep my job, nobody must know that you're my child.
4: You just don't love it. How much is it worth to you for me to keep my mouth shut? Now,
9: look, you can't bribe me. Huh? And you just wait until I get you home. Here, now, don't you... Oh, dear! What's the matter? What's wrong? Here comes the store manager, Mr. Fishplace. Oh, oh, oh. here, Junior, here's a dollar. Pretend you don't know me. Oh,
4: I wouldn't take you money. I was only fooling, Mummy. And give that dollar back. I ain't that much of a fool. To...
9: <laughs> <laughs>
8: Anything wrong,
4: Doreen?
9: No, no, Mr. Fishplace, no? nothing at all. <laughs> I was just waiting on this nice little boy. (laughs) Yes.
8: Oh, my, my. You
2: are a fine young man. (laughs) Uh, Where's your mother?
4: Out looking for the stork with a shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) Should I tell him where my mother was? No,
9: no. No, no. no, no. Mr. Fishblaze, I happen to know that this little boy came
4: here with his grandmother. Yes, yes.
8: Oh, in that case, uh, where is your grandmother?
4: She's in the book department. Oh, she's literary. No, she's a (laughs) bookie. Junior! Boat of Finnish Felton, they call huh? <laughs> Would you care to lay a couple of bucks on some pig in the third at Pimlico? <laughs> Sardine Boys? His name is Fishface. Face. Huh? Uh? Fish <laughs> well, I'm not here to strike up new friendships. I want to buy something. I want uh, to buy
8: something. Doreen, will you take care of the little boy?
4: I certainly will. He don't mean that way. He don't mean that way.
9: Very well.
5: Oh,
9: little boy, ready. what is it
4: you want? I'd like to buy something for me, Mummy. Oh, now that's sweet. Yeah.
9: What, for instance?
4: Oh, maybe some bobby socks with some bobby pins to hold them up with. Well,
9: what size stocking does your mother wear? Well, does
4: you have anything that'll fit a ball bat? Hmm? What? Yes, you just stand a baseball bat on a surfboard and you got the right size, boy.
9: Just
4: wait until I get you home. Careful, careful. Old fish face is looking. Old fish face is looking. Well, uh, maybe you just better take the bobby pins. Yes, I'll take the bobby pins. Would you wrap them as a gift, please? Now, look, this is a little ridiculous. Oh, it is, huh? You better wrap it as your gift, boy, that Robbie pin pack, or this place is going to smell from broken perfume bottles. No, no, don't touch that sack of bottles. That's... I'll wrap the package of pins. Good, that's better. On second thought, you better wrap them separately.
5: <laughs> it's
4: more fun when you get a lot of packages, you know. And third, I'll take some of that perfume over there. I'll get it right there. I'll get Will that for get her. you get out of here? No, I want that bottle of perfume, the one at the bottom of the stack. Oh, right no! There. Airwick, quick, the airwick.
5: <laughs> What's
2: happening over there? Little boy. Here you are. I think we'd better find your grandmother. You're
7: going to um, yeah. Oh, I knew it, I knew it. The minute I heard that crash. Well, Lorene, aren't you going to punish the boy? Why, madam, why should I? Well, you're his mother, aren't you?
4: You're his what? oh. oh. What have I done? you let the cat out of the upset apple cart, blabbermouth. <laughs> oh, we don't
5: enough,
4: you lose
7: might step on you and sprain their ankle.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What's this about you being the boy's mother?
7: I don't know what he's talking about. Oh, no. She's never seen this child before.
4: Yeah, you better hurry and think of something fast because old Fish Snoot here is going to fire her and you'll have to go back to your old job in television as a stand-in for gorgeous
5: George. (laughs) Well, I'm waiting
7: for an answer. My good man, you don't think this girl could be this boy's mother, do you?
2: Well, now that you mention it, they do look a lot alike.
4: Oh, we does, does we? Well, smarty pants, then which one of us has the Tony?
3: (laughs) Thanks for being with us tonight, and we hope you liked
4: our program well enough to be with us next week. So until next Friday... This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now. Thanks for listening, and thanks for buying more and more of that Voice Day miracle, Tide.
7: Tide's in, well. dirt out. Tide gets close cleaner than any soap. T-I-D-E, Tide. Well. Listen to the life of Riley coming
1: on. Stay tuned for Sherlock Holmes next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now, here is Sherlock Holmes.
11: Petri Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his good friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. I'm sure our good friend, Dr. Watson, is ready for us. Let's go in and join. Him. Come in. Come in. Oh, there you are, Mr. Bartow. Good evening, Doctor. Are you all ready with tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure? I'm ready if you are, my boy. How would you like to hear a story that took place in Italy? In Italy? <laughs> Say, you and the great Sherlock Holmes certainly did get around. What took you there, Doctor?
12: We'd gone to Rome to investigate the sudden death of Cardinal Tosca. An inquiry, which I may tell you, Mr. Bartell, was carried out by Holmes at the expressed desire of his holiness, the Pope. Say, Doctor, that sounds like a uh, wonderful... Uh, no, no, Mr. Bartell, that's a story that I'm afraid I can never tell you. However, tonight's adventure took place a few days after Holmes had brought his case to a satisfactory, though somewhat terrifying, conclusion. I suggested to the great man that a short holiday would be good for us before returning to England. And so we spent some happy days browsing among the architectural treasures of old Rome. Coliseum, the Baths of Caracalla, the Forum, the wonderful ruins on the Palatine Hill. I couldn't drag Holmes away from them, Mr. Bartell. And at nighttime, he was able to indulge to his heart's content his great love of music. Finally, it was two nights before we were to sail for England, I remember. We went to the opera house to hear the famous Italian soprano, Gina Valchese, singing Verdi's Immortal La Traviata. I can hear that exquisite voice now, Mr. Bartell. As Holmes and I, seated in a box, listen spellbound to the great Valchese singing her last act aria. <laughs> What a magnificent voice. Yes, it is, Holmes. A pity, though, that most opera stars who sing like nightingales seem to have the figures of unusually well-fed powder pigeons. Poor woman, she must weigh at least 20 stone. Nevertheless, you mustn't refer to her as
8: poor, my dear chap, despite her somewhat unfortunate proportions. Signora Gilda Valchese remains one of the greatest and wealthiest of contemporary sopranos. Listen to the applause. Yes, undoubtedly she'll sing an encore. We might as well go back to her dressing room now. The opera's almost over. Why are we going back to her dressing room? Because during the last intermission, I received a note from her requesting my attendance. Oh, well, what did the note say? Well, it seems that the lady is not too popular with certain members of the opera company. Uh, while I've no wish to become entangled in any opera clash temperaments, I, I confess I find myself not a little interested in meeting the lady. Shh. shh. She's going to sing an encore. <laughs> back to her dressing room. Certainly, my dear fellow. A summons from Gina Valkyrie is no more to be disobeyed than a royal command.
6: I must ask you gentlemen not to stand outside La Valkyrie's dressing room. We permit no strangers, particularly foreigners. The signora has requested our presence. Uh, May I ask who you are? Permit me to introduce myself, gentlemen. I am Armando Bellini,
8: Inspector of Police. My name is Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, and this is my friend, Dr. Watson.
6: Sherlock Holmes. Ah, but this is a great
8: honor. Allow me to apologize. Here
6: in the Opera House, we have to be so careful, you understand, of intrigues. There are so many. But the Holmes and his friend, I am so happy to
8: meet you both. At headquarters, I hear wonderful reports of your work in the Cardinal Tosca affair. I should prefer not to mention that unfortunate matter, Inspector, except under conditions of extreme privacy. Oh, quite so. And behind the scenes of the opera is not the most
6: secluded place. Uh, please to forgive me. You are waiting to see La Varchese? Yes. She is still on the stage. Uh, she has requested your presence, you say, Signor Holmes? Uh,
8: yes, I trust the meeting is to be a social, not a professional one. We're sailing for England in a couple of days.
6: And you came to hear the great Varchese singer before you left?
8: Most understandable.
12: A magnificent
6: voice, Inspector. Mm, yes, Doctor. And still, well, I am a devout opera lover myself. Yet I cannot help but feel its a future lies with those who can add a youth and beauty
8: to a great voice. Ah, <laughs> that's true. True, Signor. But where can you find such a combination? I have found it. Here in the opera,
6: there is a girl. She is my protege. Someday, I hope she will be my wife. At the moment, she is only on the story in La Varchese. If she should ever get the opportunity of singing in her place, then a new star will be born. Oh, really? What's her name? Lisa Bordoni. She has but recently come to Rome from Milano, where she was studied with the great Alfier. Confidentially, I think that La is so jealous of her that, uh, here is Lisa now. And that is her brother with her. Uh, Lisa a uh, please uh, to join us. I George, what a beautiful girl.
10: What is it, Armando? Uh,
6: permit me to present uh, the famous English detective, Signor Sherlock Holmes, and his friend Dr. Watson. How do you do? How do you do, young
5: lady?
10: Glad to meet you both. This is my brother, Wally.
11: How do, I do you do, sir? I certainly feel that I know a lot about you two gentlemen. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've read your stories, Dr. Watson. Indeed, sir. I'm very flattered. Lisa Caramia.
6: Uh, we were just a saying that in youth and a beauty, combined with the voice, lies our future hope in the opera. Your day will come, Lisa Mia. Your day will come soon.
10: I hope you're right, Armando. But as long as I understudy Gina Valchesi, I don't see when I'll get my chance. <laughs> <laughs> She's disgustingly healthy. <laughs> if
8: you'll pardon my saying so, young lady. Though your name is
11: Bordoni, you and your brother don't sound in the least Italian. Well, we're not, Mr. Holmes. We're American. But to succeed in Italian opera, my sister has found that an Italian name is essential. So the Borden family became the Bordone's. In
10: in any case, my real name is Lizzie Borden. (laughs) I'm sure you, Mr. Holmes, as a famous detective, will see that I had to change my name. Yes, I
8: can well understand. Uh, Who was Lizzie Borden? Uh, Well, my dear fellow, one of the greatest and uh, most successful of murderesses who wielded an axe with incredible dexterity. I've often regretted that I was in Tibet instead of America at the time of that particular case. <laughs> Senor Holmes, I
6: do not understand you Anglo-Saxons. To me, a murderess is a murderess. Now, when you speak of a greatness in women, I feel... Oh, but here comes Gina case now. I-, I will introduce you.
10: How oh, many times, but I tell you a lot. No one to stand outside my dressing room. Send them away. La Valcassi is a tie.
6: Oh, but you wish to see Senor Sherlock Holmes, the famous detective. He has come here in answer to your request. Please,
8: permit me to present him and also his friend, Dr. Watts. How do you do, Senor? I'm greatly honored to meet you, Senora Casey. And now, perhaps, if we may come into your dressing room and confer privately.
10: Tito, what would love and Casey have to say to a detective? I mean not the police as Biro. Go away, all of you. <laughs> oh,
8: well, what do you think of that? She slammed the door in my face. Waiter. Waiter. see, senor. Uh, Bring me some more coffee, please. Si, senor. Ah, the very pleasant dining here on the hotel terrace, I must confess.
12: Very. Amazingly warm, considering yesterday's snow. Yes, it is. Uh, Later I suggest we pay
8: another visit to the opera and hear about Casey sing and Rigoletto.
12: Upon my soul, Holmes, it seems to me that you're astonishingly casual after the way that woman insulted you last night, (laughs) slamming the door in your face as if you were a (laughs) tradesman. Shocking. What would you
8: have me do, my dear
12: chap? Force
8: my way into her a, into a room, demand an apology? Or have my friend challenge her to a duel in order to avenge my honor?
12: Oh, don't try to be funny, Holmes. You know perfectly well what I mean. The lady asks you to come and see her, and when you do, she pretends she's never heard of you. And here it is nearly 24 hours later, and you've done absolutely nothing about it.
8: <laughs> oh, dear old Watson. You're really quite upset over the affair, aren't you? Well, if it'll make you any happier, let me tell you, uh, I have done something about it. Hmm. I'm
12: delighted to hear it.
8: What? This morning I was able to obtain a specimen of Barbalcze's handwriting from an autographed picture in the possession of Inspector Bellini. I compared the writing with that on the note and I uh, that I received in the box last night. It was the it was the same, proving that the message I received was authentic.
12: Oh, in that case, why did she snub you like that?
8: Well, something was to frighten her, I suppose. Something or someone who was standing at the dressing room door with us. Well, who was there? Inspector Bellini, Lisa Bordoni, and her brother. Precisely, my dear fellow. Therefore, we may assume that La Valchese had no wish to recognize me in their presence. But if you think that, Holmes, why haven't you been in touch with her today? She may be in some dreadful oh, danger. Oh, if she is, she can find me easily enough. Meanwhile, I'm perfectly happy to be left alone. The last few weeks have been sufficiently strenuous without becoming involved in some fresh case. Oh,
12: my soul, Holmes, you must be tired. I've never known you to be so indifferent to a case.
8: Great Scott. Now, what is it, Watson? Look. Walking towards it. Senora valchesi herself. Oh, and judging from the lady's expression, she seems to be in some distress. Good evening, Senora.
10: Senora Holmes, I must
8: speak please to you. Please sit down, won't you? This is my colleague, Dr. Watson. How do, do, you
10: do. First, I must apologize for my behavior last night. It would have been dangerous if Valchese had acknowledged that she had to communicate with you.
8: That's just what my friend assumed, now, madam. Please speak quite freely now, Senora. Uh, no one can overhear us.
10: Senora Holmes, I am being persecuted. My life is in danger. You must have save me. You've been threatened. Si, si, senor. And now today, tragedy has struck. My sister, my beloved Bella, mm-hmm. lies near death from a murderous attack. An attack that was immense for me. Good Lord, what happened, madam? If you will please to keep a quiet, a little Albert Casey speak, will I learn what happened. Oh, I,
12: I, I was, I'm so sorry,
10: madam. This the morning, these morning, I always myself take my dog for a walk. But this morning, I feel the trace of a cold. I asked my sister to take the dog for a walk. Please do understand that my sister is very much like me in appearance. Yes, I
8: understand, Signora. Uh, please continue.
10: She walk alone in the park. From nowhere. A horseman come gallop and ride her down. These are much I learn from the traces in the snow when I worry and go to find her.
8: Was she able to tell you who the horseman was? Oh,
10: no. She cannot speak, Signor. They say at the hospital that her skull is a fracture. That she may not leave. Signor Holmes, that attack... It was meant for me, You must protect me. Signora,
8: I shall do everything
10: in my oh. power to- no. No, no, no! no, What's wrong, madam? Somewhere there is a cat! I know it! Make it go away! I can't understand guns! i drive me mad! No, no, no! Oh, make it go away, please! I can't have it without
12: even a thing, Shoot, no. shoot, shoo, run away, shoot, oh, shoot! No, i, I can not see to- i not to-
10: It
8: must be your imagination.
10: I am sorry to make such a scene. But I cannot bear to be near again. I cannot tell you what it do to me. It, it may sound a foolish no, no. weakness. No,
8: no, not at all, Signora. Such a condition is quite common. In fact, I believe medical science has given it a name. It's known as Oh, uh,
10: Whatever it is called. It make me ill. I must go to my room. I, I cannot stand much more. My poor
8: sister. I imagine with your sister at death's door, Signora... You will not sing tonight.
10: Signor Holmes. I love her very much. But even a sister is only a sister. My art is my life. In an hour, Signor. I sing Gilda in a rigoletto. You will attend the performance. And afterward you will tell Ela Valchese how she may trap this devil who seeks to destroy her.
12: It's after 9.30. We've missed quite
8: a lot of the opera. It's hardly worth going to our box now. It's just in time to hear La Valchese sing the incomparable Caronome. Come on, old fellow. Let's slip in as quietly as we
12: can. It seems to me we should have been in our box from the beginning of the performance. She asked you to keep an eye on her. That's
8: know. true, old chap. But it occurred to me that an attack on her during the performance was unlikely and that our time might be more profitably spent making inquiries at the writing academy. you
12: drew a blank. We found no trace of that mysterious rider.
8: No, but at least we tried. Here we are. Shh, 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 shh. Let's stand at the back of the theatre for a few minutes. Great Scott! That isn't our singing. It's the understudy, believe his protege, the American girl, Lisa Bordoni. What a beautiful voice! A well, nice like one, but with a beautiful, wonderful range. Look here, we we've no time to listen to her now. We must go to the Alcazars dressing room at once. We know she left to the theater tonight with the intention of singing. I'm very much afraid there's devil's work afoot, Watson.
12: Why on earth doesn't she
8: answer? Shh. Listen, there are cats inside our dressing room. Come on, Watson. Put your shoulder to it. Come on, help me, Watson. Come on, once more. Come on again. Now, once here. Ah. Great Scott! She's unconscious, Watson. See what you can do for her. She must have fainted with fright. Yes, some fiend knowing her deadly fear of cats has locked her in here with half a dozen of them. Shoot! Shoot! Open! Shoot!
12: Her eyes are opening, Holmes. She's coming too, Signora Varchesi. Her lips are moving. She's trying to speak, Signora
8: Varchesi. Tell me, who did this to you? Great heavens! Her voice is gone. I've known many vicious crimes in my lifetime, Watson. But to murder a voice, a voice that was one of the treasures of the world, is as vile a killing as I've ever encountered.
11: Dr. Watson so the great opera singer lost her voice when someone locked in a room full of cats, huh? What did you and Sherlock Holmes do? We took Signor
12: Valchese back to her hotel at once and saw that she was properly taken care of.
11: How did the understudy uh, Lisa Bordoni make out, Doctor? Well, the
12: tragedy that overtook Lark Valchesi gave her her great chance. She received a tremendous ovation at the close of the performance, and it seemed certain that another star had been born. But let me tell you the story just as it happened, Mr. Bartell. A little later that night, Holmes and I were once again standing on the balcony of our hotel, watching a crowd of people that had assembled in the courtyard.
8: You see that crowd, Watson? Yes,
12: I suppose they've come here to acclaim the new star. No, no,
8: my dear fellow, that crowd isn't planning a celebration. Look at them and listen to their angry murmuring. I'm afraid there's going to be trouble. All right. I don't like the look of it. Hello.
11: Here comes Lisa Bordoni's brother, Wally. What's wrong, sir? Mr. Holmes. Mr. Holmes, you've got to do something. What's happened? Well, somehow the story about the cats in La Casey's dressing room is spread. The crowd outside are saying that my sister, Lisa, planned the whole thing so that she could sing Valchese's part in the opera tonight. Where's your sister now? In a room at the hotel here. I managed to get her away from the crowd, and I locked her in.
8: But hmm. that mob, I'm frightened. Ah, here comes the official representative of law and Order, Inspector Bellini. Wally, Wally, where is Lisa? I was just telling Mr. Holmes that I'd locked her in a room. Well, that crowd's in a dangerous mood, Bellini. What precautions are you taking? I have thrown a cordon of police around the hotel.
6: The mob is getting out of our hand, and Lisa must be protected. As a matter of fact, the situation is even worse than the crowd knows. I have just been told that Laval Casey's twin sister, Bella, died in the hospital tonight. That adds a murder charge. If the crowd knew about that, i tremble to think what might happen. Did you say that uh,
8: Laval Casey's sister was a twin, Inspector? See, si, Senor Holmes. She was a her exact the double in everything but voice. Indeed, how very illuminating. If you don't mind, I should like to have a few words in private with my friend, Dr. Watson. Excuses for a moment,
12: please. What do you make of it, Holmes? What are you, old chap? Well, the American girl seemed really charming and all that, but she might have done it. It had to be either her, her brother, or the inspector himself. They all had a motive for wanting La Valchese to lose her voice. But I must say, I can't understand the motive behind the murder of her twin sister. I think I can give you the
8: answer to that question in a very few minutes. But meanwhile, the mob gets uglier and uglier. The only way to avert violence, Watson, is to give them quick proof and a certainty of conviction. I must go back to Bellini and the young American. I want to keep an eye on them. Meanwhile, I want you to slip out and uh, get me a cat. A cat? What for? You'll find out soon enough. Well, what kind of a cat? Oh, any kind but Hurry!
12: Kitty, kitty, come on, kitty. There's a good kitty. Here,
13: here, here. What you do in a hotel kitchen, senor? Oh, you want to play with my cat? Oh, is he your cat? Charming little fellow. Uh, I'd like to borrow him for a little while. Uh, why you want to borrow my cat? Oh, I thought I'd take him up to my hotel room and have a little game with him. Uh, I've got some old socks he can play with. <laughs> Deal. The English, they are a crazy race. My cat does not like to play with the old socks. Look here. Here's
12: 50 lira for
13: you. Oh, no, no, no. I tell you, my cat does not like to play with old socks. My cat would stay here, and you can keep it, your money. I'll
5: give you a 100 lira. Oh,
13: so, that you may stuff my cat full of old socks? No, no. Give me back my cat. Oh, the place me. is with you. You'll get it back my <laughs> like yeah, cat. Stop him. Stop him. The crazy Englishman is stealing my cat. Stop him. <laughs>
12: I've got the cat for you, Holmes, but I wish you'd tell me what we're doing outside Valcase's door with it. I'm going to try an experiment.
8: You open her bedroom door softly,
12: so slip
8: the cat in, so, and close the door.
12: Holmes, man, what the blazes
8: do you think you're doing? You'll drive her mad. I think not. Listen, and watch through the keyhole
12: if you can. Holmes, her voice It's come back Yes, I thought it might I can see her through the keyhole She's picking the cat up by the scruff of its neck
8: She's walking toward the balcony Yes, and towards the crowds down below An excellent opportunity for a public confession Come on Stella What do you want? I charge you with the murder of your sister, the great singer
5: (laughs) Valkese
6: It was a magnificent, Senor Holmes. A magnificent. The way you forced her to confess on the balcony in a full sight of the
11: mark. And so you saved Lisa. I can't thank you enough, Mr. Holmes.
10: Nor can I. Though I still don't see how you guessed. She looked so much like her sister that she fooled even me, her understanding.
8: Yes, it was an extremely cunning plot, Miss Bordoni. The real Varchese sent me that note last night. When I met her at the dressing room door, she denied having sent for me because the three of you were there. I suppose, as she suspect, the one of us. Oh, yes, obviously, and later, no doubt. She told her twin sister, Bella, about having sent me the message and also announced her intention of coming to see me. Bella saw her opportunity, murdered La Valchese, assumed her identity, and to give added realism to her role, followed through with her sister's plan by coming to see me today.
11: But I still don't understand this business, Mr. Holmes. Why did the twin sister lock herself in her dressing room and fill it with cats? What did it accomplish?
10: It gave me the chance to sing.
11: Yes,
8: that's true. Which is why Watson felt certain the criminal must be you, your brother, or Signor Bellini. But you see, the episode with the cats accomplished one other thing. It made it plausible that the great Valkese should never sing
12: again. To whose advantage would that be? an imposter, of course. In the person of a twin sister who could not sing and who must surely envy her sister's
8: great wealth. Exactly, well. my dear fellow. As soon as I knew they were twin sisters and everything but voice... It became more than a possibility. It became probability, but it had to be tested. That's why I sent for the cat, Watson. When the sister, thinking herself unobserved, exhibited no terror for cats, well, it became a certainty.
12: Oh, my soul, Holmes, this is as fantastic a plot as ever we've met. A
8: diabolical plan, Watson. And I'm only thankful, Miss Bordoni, that we were able to expose it before the crowd reached you tonight.
10: I don't know what I can ever do to repay you, Mr. Holmes.
8: Oh, that won't be hard, my dear. A box of cotton garden for your London debut would be... Uh, well, an ample repayment. And from what I hear of your reception in Rigoletto tonight, I shan't have to wait very long for that reward, eh?
10: It's a promise,
13: Mr. <laughs> Holmes. <laughs> Come in. Oh, excuse me, please. All over the hotel I look up for my cat. I say to myself, there he is. He's stealing my cat. Inspector Bellino, you arrest him. He tried to bribe me and then he ran away with my cat and him full of old English socks.
5: <laughs>
11: Doctor, I'd sure like to have a picture of you running away with that fellow's cat under your arm. <laughs> you, a cat-stealer. <laughs> you not know, a bit funny, Mr. Bartell. <laughs> Believe me, it was most embarrassing. <laughs> I know. But it was all for a good cause, and I think you were splendid about the whole thing. Uh... Incidentally, how'd you happen to look for a cat in the hotel kitchen? Oh, there's usually one round the back door of the kitchen. Haven't you
12: ever wandered, uh, well, uh, backstage in a hotel?
11: Fascinating. Oh, of course I have, but uh, I've never been in a hotel kitchen. Then where were you? In the wine cellar. I should have known. Yes, Doctor, I like to look at bottles of Petri wine, because when I see a Petri wine, I know I'm looking at a good wine. And Petri wine is good because of the Petri family. The Petri family first started making fine wine before the beginning of this century, generations ago. Since then, winemaking has been their heritage, handed on down from father to son. So you can take it for granted that the Petri family really knows how to turn luscious, sun-ripened grapes into clear, fragrant, delicious wine. And you can take it for granted, too, that the name Petri on a bottle of wine is more than a, a trademark. It's a personal assurance of the Petri family every drop of wine in that bottle is good wine. You just can't go wrong with Petri wine because Petri took time to bring you good wine. Well, Dr. Watson, what story are you planning to tell us next week? Next week, Mr.
12: Bartell, I'm going to tell you a strange adventure that Holmes and I had many, many years ago. It concerns a young girl, the mutilation of her doll and the tragedy that overtook a certain wise woman from the mountains.
11: Sherlock Holmes adventure was written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story The Adventure of Black Peter Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and tonight Dr. Watson was played by Mr. Eric Snowden who was substituted for Mr. Nigel Bruce Mr. Bruce is scheduled to return to the program next week
1: Thank you for listening. I hope you're here with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.